You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and thank you for joining us once again as we continue to dive into the craziness that's happening in our local Toronto real estate market. We are number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for Toronto real estate, and you guys make it awesome. It's been a wonderful journey over the last few months as an investor and as a broker analyzing the news while COVID is going on to try and really figure out where there are opportunities in our marketplace. And today, there's plenty of news as things are beginning to reopen here in the city. So we're going to begin talking about this question. Will Toronto successfully roll back Bill 184? You know, this issue, this thing that was just passed that's causing so many problems for tenant advocacy groups and they're standing outside of Tory's home. Well, is this something that city council can roll back because they are making an honest attempt at doing that? And why are some people choosing a fixed mortgage despite low rates? And there's been a lot of, even I have leaned towards variable rates and we'll talk a little bit about that, but there are people that are opting for a fixed mortgage and I want to share with you why that is. And if Toronto now enters stage three, what do we have to look forward to? There's this big question that we've kind of, as we've been going, we entered stage one, we saw a huge boost in the sales activity in our market and we entered stage two again, we saw this boost, but now we're in stage three. And so what are we looking forward to? And what is that going to mean? What implications do we have? And will we really roll back? Like if anything, could the news only get worse from here? We're going to talk a little bit about that. You know what? I think we handled this emergency situation quite well. You know how it goes, right? In any emergency situation, first you evacuate the women and the children, right? (laughs) That way the men, they can think of a solution in silence. (laughs) I'm just bitter because I've got a two-month-old that's not sleeping at night. (laughs) All right, we're having a lot of fun. And thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button if you're getting value out of our content. I love hearing from you guys as listeners. And oftentimes, you guys are sending me content that I never even really thought of. But all that to say, even if nobody was listening to my voice crying out into the wilderness that is Toronto, I'm still going to be doing this because I want to know for myself what is happening. And this has been a wonderful journey. So let's dive into our first topic, this idea of city council voting to legally change Bill 184. But before we get into the vote, we need to remember the punishment that Mayor John Tory is having outside of his residence. There was an article a couple days ago from the Toronto Sun, anti-eviction protesters return to Mayor John Tory's home. For the second time this month, protesters converge on the condo building where John Tory lives, demanding that Toronto's mayor step up for tenants and stop evictions. The group, which gathered in Toronto's swank Bedford Road, Bloor Street area, also recently disrupted a groundbreaking ceremony involving the mayor last week. You know what we need to do? We need to reopen the businesses so these guys go back to work. (laughs) They have way too much time on their hands. It's circular, right? It's solely circular. <laughs> so so ultimately, there's a lot of pressure going on John Tory, and he's pretty much said, he's like, Oh, I'll talk to you guys after the I'll talk to you guys after this announcement. Okay, great. We'll we'll, we'll see you then. And then he sneaks out the back door, doesn't want anything to do with them, and just pretty much says, I got no, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Well, in a matter of 48 hours, he's changed his tune because Toronto City Council has voted to legally challenge Bill 184. So here's this article from CTV News. Toronto City Council has voted Wednesday evening in favor of illegally challenging, uh, illegally, yeah, illegally. It is in 
in legally challenging the province's contentious Bill 184. The council voted, uh, it was close, 22 to 2 <laughs> to fight the bill known as Protecting Tenants and Strengthening Community Housing Act, which housing advocates say would weaken tenants' rights after the pandemic and make it easier to evict them. I'm not going to get into whether I agree with that thought or not. I do think that it is fair to say that you say that the tenants are not smart enough to negotiate because the way that this works is instead of having this kind of being done at the landlord-tenant board, it is happening between the tenants and the landlords directly. It's a way of streamlining the process, but it gives you a voice. It's not like you don't have a voice, but what they're saying is, is it's not giving them the opportunities to get consult consultation. And so they're going to lock themselves into these agreements because the way they spin it, they say if a tenant refused the landlord's offer, they can still take their matters before the board, which is true. But some critics say, say it may lead to vulnerable tenants to sign shady repayment plans. Again, you're saying the tenants are not smart enough and it's not like they're just kicking them out. Yes, there's a provision that allows you to kick them out, but they sign that. They agree to that. So by saying that they're getting kicked out without like knowing about it, I guess, but really, again, it comes back to this idea, are they smart enough to negotiate? And, and in order to stand on this side of saying it's unfair, you're saying no, they are not. And that's okay because I'm not going to be standing by myself in, a, in any lawsuit. I'd rather have a lawyer there. I get it. I get it. So anyways, there's, there's, this is chaotic going on over here uh, over at city council. And they say in the motion, Councillor Gord Perks stated the amendments in the act are, quote, contrary to rules of procedural fairness and natural justice. The vote comes after councillors. Just don't sign it then. <laughs> don't sign the repayment plan. <laughs> comes after councillors reviewed a confidential report from the city solicitor's office regarding the bill. Under current law, the landlord and tenant board hears all disputes over evictions and rent in arrears. The province says the bill would, quote, modernize and streamline disputes by allowing landlords to drop private repayment agreements with tenants who are behind on rent. We're trying to streamline the process. We're trying to make it easier. Do you have any other opportunities or ideas on how we could do that? Because we were, the landlord tenant board, need I remind you, was already backlogged. They could not keep up before COVID. Now you add 150,000 potential evictions in our province. How do you expect, give me a better opportunity or better option. Because part of this bill as well is things that protect the tenant. It's not a one-sided bill by any means. There's, there's no reason that they couldn't name it protecting tenants and strengthening community housing. There, there's, there is protection in there for the tenant as well. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of the bill. If you want more information on what it says and what exactly is going on in this chaos, listen to episode 102 that I posted. I think it was like two, three weeks ago. It's called Pent Up Demand and Overconfidence in Toronto's Market. And, and I did a full explanation of the bill. It's a little bit of a snoozer. I put it at the end of the podcast, but it's very valuable if you want to know exactly what's going on and understand it. Now, I'm not going to say I understand. I haven't read the bill myself, but this is just information that I've pulled from other people who have read the bill and explained what it looks like. At the end of the day, we got to come up with a process because there is going to be a ton of repayments that need to happen. But I think, if I were to be honest, the advocates, they don't want to deal with the repayment at all. I don't think that that's what they want. I think they want free rent. <laughs> Oops, did I just say that? <laughs> they say this. This is Tori. I'm particularly concerned, and I've said so vocally for quite some time, that there shouldn't be a situation in which any tenant is put out of their housing without a hearing at the very least. I agree, but if you sign to not having a hearing, then I think that you have the right to do that as well. He reiterates during council meetings that he did not have the power to cause the repeal of the bill or ban evictions in the city. 
which is what he said before, and he's standing on that, but they're voting in hopes that they can maybe challenge the province to make a change. But this bill has already passed. And depending on if we get an extension on emergency orders, which we'll talk about later in this podcast, this could happen very soon. Very, very soon. Who left these potatoes in charge? <laughs> get the emergency vehicle in here. We need to have a ambulance. <laughs> but honestly, it's a pressure they're under from these tenant advocacy groups. They are a loud voice. You know, you know what? Forget the ambulance. We need a wambulance. <laughs> Take them away. <laughs> the government not being involved has caused a lot of tension between landlords and tenants. And we've seen that. This is where the disputes began. When you told everybody, stay home and we're not going to cover your rent. Okay, fine. From a cost perspective, clearly that worked out. But what's beautiful about this, what's kind of happening behind the scenes here is that those loud tenants that are spending time getting very personal with the mayor of Toronto, they are going to be on the same team, in my opinion, as the landlords very, very soon. Because when we're in a position now where we need to get the repayments, I'm, I'm assuming Bill 184 will continue or maybe be changed, but nothing significant because the city of Toronto has nothing to do. All they're doing is saying, okay, stop showing up at my house. I did what I could. They're trying to appease their, their voters, right? But now... When we have a system where there is a repayment plan in place, I don't think they're going to be giving free rent if you owe that money. I expect instead of that, that you're going to have a lot of lobbying going on instead directed at the city towards the province saying, now you've got us locked into these repayment plans. And do you want us getting evicted? Because the province doesn't want that either. And so you're going to have these guys with their signs and they've gotten really good at crafting the way that they're written. <laughs> they can help us make the signs and say, help cover the missing rent so we're not evicting a bunch of people, which even if you're not a landlord, you don't want mass evictions. That's not a good scene. <laughs> not even for the tenants. That's not good for anybody. It's not good for anybody. And that's why at a cost as what I expect to be a billion dollars or less, I think they're going to just fork it up. They're going to fork it up because I'm sure, I, I haven't verified this, but I'm pretty sure Doug, Rob Ford, Doug Ford, whoever's in charge right now, <laughs> That they have a house and people can pick at that house too. <laughs> and if we still haven't gotten off served by then, I'm sure there'll be plenty. All right, let's move on. This idea of mortgages, guys. This idea of mortgages. So if you're shopping for a mortgage right now, should we be looking at variable rates? Should we be looking at fixed rates? You guys know I've been a, quite a strong advocate for variable rates. And the reason is a couple things. One, variable rates in the long term have outperformed fixed rates. However, we have seen a declining interest rate environment. It changes the whole tables turn the moment we have an increase in interest rates. That's the whole reason people have been locking to fixed rates for years. The concern that the rates will come back up. Well, there's an article this morning that I'm reading from the Globe and Mail, and it's called this. Shopping for a mortgage? Variable rates are a gamble you don't need to take. And I think that this is very valuable insight as you're trying to decide for you and your family. There's no two strategies that work for everybody, but there's only two products. I guess there's more than two products, but and the purpose of this article, there's only two products. Here's what they say. If you're in the trenches shopping for a new mortgage, I'm going to tell you something I've rarely told anyone in 13 years in this business. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Variable rates are a gamble that you don't need to take. What do you do? You're a salesperson for fixed mortgages? Come on. There's little question in my mind that you'll win for at least a year or two by floating your mortgage rate, but year three is a crapshoot and years four and five entail legitimate risks of higher borrowing costs. So he's going to talk about the risks of being in a variable mortgage, even in a time like this. For one thing, the Bank of Canada is swamping the financial market with liquidity, and we know that, right? They're killing our dollar and we're adding it back as debt. 
And it's promised to keep doing that well into next year by buying an array of debt securities, which temporarily suppresses mortgage rates and and increases people to borrow. Like people are going to keep borrowing, rates are going to keep going up, including the mortgage, assuming deferrals allowed us to keep doing that. And on top of that, you've got the finance department handing out billions of dollars to workers affected by COVID. Many fear all this spending will catch up when the economy recovers by driving inflation higher. Our target, guys, is 2%. But what if it goes past that? How does this work? And even if an inflation spike lasts only a year or two, that may be all that's needed to help five-year fixed rates outperform. So there is a chance five-year fixed could win. Here's an important point. With the lowest fixed rate now less than seven basis points above the cheapest variable rates, there's still a little more, but they're close, a single rate increase by Bank of Canada in the next 42 months would make a floating rate more expensive based on interest costs alone. So if we get the rates get bumped up and you're in a fixed mortgage, you're actually now ahead of the variable rates. Hopefully that makes sense. There's a 100 basis points in the percentage point, just to clarify that. How likely, is the question, are we to see the central bank increasing their rates in that time frame? Well, they asked Benjamin Tall. He said this. This is the chief economist of CIBC, by the way. The short answer is that it is very likely that the Bank of Canada will raise rates at least once in the coming three to five years. So we're playing on a longer time horizon here. I don't usually look that far out, but that's what they're saying. Three to five years, there's a very high chance, according to Benjamin Tall. We have to remember that we are at emergency rates, and a reasonable scenario is that the emergency will not last for more than three to five years, given the nature of it. So the idea is we're going to get out of this and on the tail end of it, we can't keep our rates low. Are we able to raise them? Ask Mr. Trudeau and he'll laugh in your face. (laughs) But based on economists, they say we have to. At some point, we have to. And even if we don't want to, this is what they're saying. So what happens when we get unprecedented stimulus, we get record high government debt issuance, and and, and we're not compatible with 0% interest rates in the long term. They're saying when, when our government stops buying bonds, employment subsidies, and consumer demand eclipses pre-crisis levels, the ceiling on rates goes away. The way they say it is this. Yields can surge by 75 basis points or more seemingly overnight in 30 to 60 days. Once traders think inflation is headed back above the central bank's 2% target, when that occurs, you want to be in a fixed rate. So if we see inflation go over 2%, which is pushed by what? Government spending. The things that we're seeing is causing inflation. They're eating inflation is a deterioration of your dollar. The one dollar you got in your pocket, every time you get inflation, it's eating away. It's chipping away little by little, right? And so if we go over 2%, which is the target, if we go beyond that, you can expect rates to begin to go back up. Given central banks buying an uncertain near-term growth outlook, bond yields could easily drop further, taking fixed mortgage rates down with them. So further, fixed rates could come lower. The problem is no one knows for sure how or how far they'll drop. So they're saying this, the sensible option, if you're applying for a new mortgage now, and if you have a long-term financing need and an average to low risk tolerance, then go with the five-year fixed. It's below 2% and it has your name all over it. <laughs> the risk reward, they say, is, is good enough. Like, if what are we chasing here? How far down does it need to go before it makes sense for you? Really? Like, you're, you're doing a few basis points here? Come on, guys. They're saying you're priced at 1.59% to 1.99% depending on your home equity. They're cheap, guys. They are cheap. I don't see the Bank of Canada moving before 2022, since Benjamin Tall, which is why I've leaned more towards the variable side because you're not going to have much fluctuation, at least for the next two to three years. However, 
as I've seen in other articles, Canada is well positioned, even though we are going to see rates and they've said we're not going to be increasing rates for a while. They're well positioned to be one of the first countries in the world to bring rates back up. We are very strongly positioned. And that's because a lot of the programs we've set up have actually worked. It's actually a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing when rates come up, by the way. People don't think it is, but it actually is a good thing. As much as it might not feel good when you make your mortgage payments. So rates, this is the way I look at it. They're, based on this and what I'm seeing, rates will be low for the next couple of years. In fact, even the states are saying they're, they're not even thinking about raising rates. And that's, I think, the case in many countries around the world. And so variable stands as a very good position, but fixed gives you the assurance in that later part of the mortgage. I was actually just speaking with a client couple days ago and they were telling me back in the late 80s they had a mortgage that was at 16% which sounds outrageous but it was actually a good rate at that time and they were locked in for five years and they watched the rates jump from 16 all the way up to 21% and then it came all the way back down by the time they hit their renewal so they avoided all that and now I don't think everyone gets that lucky ultimately you end up paying for it later on you're just deferring that adjustment but some people have avoided serious shocks to interest rate increases and maybe this is an opportunity for you to do the same make sure you're chatting with mortgage brokers you're kind of looking into it yourself as well and get an idea of what product works best for you because while this these people were sitting on this rate that they were able to lock in lower and saw everyone else having struggles with, there were people around them losing their homes, on their street, losing their homes. And the other thing with line of credit, you might think, oh, I got a line of credit. Yes, that's variable. But a compound the issue, there is an ability for lenders to call that mortgage back as well. So make sure you know what product you're getting. Get the right advice from someone you trust. Don't just because, say, they're their mortgage broker, therefore they're good. Make sure you trust and can get the proper information, especially us as investors. Don't get duped, guys. Don't get duped. Speaking of duped, Toronto now enters stage three. Woohoo! <laughs> <coughs> Oh, killing myself over here. What do, oh, oh, I can't say that. That's, I feel like this is a, I heard, I heard a really funny joke before I move on. <laughs> I have to share it with you. There was a time when people used to cough to cover their farts. Now people fart to cover their coughs. <laughs> what do we have to look forward to now that we're in stage three? So coronavirus, Ford says there's no plans to roll back economic reopening despite new cases. Of course, we get a few pop-up cases in Toronto. That's not the cases, but in the rest of the province, it is the case. Okay, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so, so the one of the things that I was asked actually on the Gary Hibbert podcast, which I was about a month ago now, just under a month ago, is, do you think we're going backwards? And I said, no, I don't think we are. I don't think we are. Now, maybe we get a second surge of cases. That's possible. What does that look like? It needs to be pretty extreme because we've already seen what it costs for us to close. So we're gonna be doing everything in our power to avoid that. Well, Ford is, seems to be agreeing with me at least to this point that they are going. there's no plan to roll back from stages that we've entered. Ontario has no plans to pull back the region and despite few outbreaks in some areas is what the article says. Speaking of outbreaks, what do you call two emergency doctors? Paramedics. <laughs> and another thing I was thinking of just because I'm like dumb. <laughs> if you got one, is it still paramedics? <laughs> Uh, the province is slated to make an announcement on Wednesday. This is what the article said for Windsor, Essex, Toronto, and nearby Peel region. Well, we are two days later, and so now we can see that Toronto and Peel are in stage three. Ding, ding, ding. The Ford government will allow Peel region and Toronto to enter stage three on Friday, 12.01 tomorrow morning. Activities like indoor dining, indoor fitness activities will be able to resume in those areas. And Windsor, you're still closed. <laughs> They have a, there's a site of major outbreaks on farms and agribusinesses. Agribusinesses, that's fancy. What do you do? I run an agribusiness. 
And they're going to remain in stage two until such time as the COVID cases come down. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. This is one of those times that case numbers in the GTA were lower than the rest of Ontario. Cool. They say that on Toronto, there were six cases on Monday and only one case on Tuesday. That sounds like uh, the right direction to me. So the fact that we are down, good job, guys. This is a celebration with, with like a socially distanced celebration for our city. And Tori says this. We're going to leave them in a good light here. It's taken a long time and a lot of sacrifice, but I think it's also fair to say now that really hard work begins when you get down to the stage where you have only one case on a given day, which was the case yesterday. There's only one direction to go and you don't want to go in that direction, but there is only one direction. But that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I wish I didn't even quote that. I was trying to make them look good and now I'm like, what? Unless I just can't read. I get your point, man. Let's celebrate. This is a this is a point of celebration, not criticism. We did it, guys. We did it. Let's keep it low. But I don't think we're going to be going the other way, even if we do happen to have a, a temporary uptick in our city. Not a massive wave, but a temporary uptick. I don't think that's going to result in us pulling back because it costs the city so much to do that. We need to be smart. We don't want to be closing stuff. City council, interesting point. A couple days ago, I was saying this is probably going to happen. It happened faster than I thought, actually. They're implementing a temporary bylaw, probably in line with stage three, that will require masks and face coverings to be used in common spaces in apartments, which we knew, and now condominiums. I told you, (laughs) the moment there's an empty threat there, they're not so empty, (laughs) right? The mayor was saying, you guys better help us out on the condos, because if you don't, two days later. <laughs> like how fast do you think these board these boards are able to respond? It's fine. I just why don't you just fix it in the first place? Why you got to like throw these threats out, okay? But one thing that I'm sitting on here in the sidelines, it's in my head, it's in it's in my head is I'm looking at it and I'm like, what is going on with the emergency orders? I can't be the only one asking this question and I'm like I like the emergency orders were supposed to happen at the end of this month, which matters because as soon as the emergency orders end, Legally, you're allowed to evict, and that's the moment one Bill 184 rolls out. You, like This news is all about 184. How can we not be talking about the, the emergency orders reopening? Now, maybe I've missed it. Like Maybe I'm completely off the base. Did you guys hear of an emergency extension? Because when I go right now on Ontario.ca, they say this. The Ontario government, in consultation with the Chief Medical Officer of Health, has extended most emergency orders currently in force of the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act until July 29th. That's yesterday. And I haven't heard of an extension. And that was only a seven-day extension. Can someone please answer this in the chat? Let me know if you guys know. What's the plan here? Are we out of the emergency orders? Did that happen? Because <laughs> I want to know. If so, this is going to have some serious repercussions. So fill me in. Oh, man. It's, it's nice to see things are reopening, though. I'm happy to see that. Like, just the other day, I got a call from my dentist. I haven't heard or talked to them in a while. <laughs> and they said, it's like you go smile with your mouth. It's like, oh, nice teeth. Like what, You lose your compliment as a dentist. I feel like the best compliment is you got nice teeth, but they can't do that anymore. But it's nice to see they're reopening. But, you know, you, when I go see there, I expect they're probably going to see the orthodontist office is closed, right? And there's going to be a sign on there that says, doctor was called away for an emergency. Brace yourself. <laughs> We're having fun, guys. Thank you for joining us once again on Toronto's number one real estate podcast. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. We're going to continue to put out fantastic content, especially when COVID is happening. Make sure you're farting to cover those coughs. And I'll see you next time. Take care and keep it real. Thank you.